Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 224 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is June 11th, 2012. We've got a great show for you this week on the Peristyle Podcast. After a brief hiatus, we took the week off. It was uh, my anniversary, my one-year anniversary. We missed, my, we missed the show last year for our wedding and for our one-year anniversary we went to Belize. So I do apologize for not having a show for the past week. And uh, for Coach Harvey Hyde and, and Dan Weber, they're coming on the show. They're going to share all our insights of what's been going on with the USC Trojan football team. The team started summer workouts this past week, so we'll talk about that. we got to answer a lot of your questions. We actually reached out to Facebook and Twitter and got some questions on the team from there. So we'll do our best to answer each and every one of those that came in over Facebook, Twitter, and email, and some voicemail questions as well. If you have comments or questions and you want to talk to us, the email address is podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call 206-888-6755. That's our voicemail number. Or if you go to our webpage, peristylepodcast.com, click on the left side of the page, leave a voicemail right there. And without much further ado, we're going to go to Catalina Island, the special hotline. We got Coach Harvey Hyde on the line. Coach, what's going on, sir? How are you? Well, buddy, it's, uh, it's a great day here in Avalon. And I'm over here getting uh, my batteries charged for this coming football season. It's exciting. Uh, you Later on in the show, you'll be talking with Gerard Martinez and yourself about some of these recruits and verbal commits that's happened during this period of uh, us being on a bye. So uh, why don't we get started? What do we got to talk about? Yeah, we got lots to talk about. Uh, before we jump into it, uh, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. You can go to sctickets.com. I think the L.A. Kings are trying to wrap up the Stanley Cup tonight. So if you want tickets for that, you can go to sctickets.com, and they will totally hook you up, 1-800-888-7287. If you need tickets for any kind of sporting event, Dodgers still in first place. Angels, I think only three back right now uh, in the, the American League West. Or if you want to go to concerts, you want to go to some sort of theater event, any of that stuff, you can go to sctickets.com. And they will help you out. And, Coach, you mentioned Jamar Martinez. We're going to do a Trojan Blast recruiting podcast because there has been a lot of uh, action as far as commitments go. Uh, Sue Al Cravens and Stephen Mitchell. And we're going to talk with Gerard Martinez about that. We already have a ton of recruiting questions to get to. I hope we can fit it all in in one show. So they sent a lot of recruiting questions in while I was on hiatus. But we'll get to all those. We'll probably do the show on Tuesday or Wednesday. So, Stay tuned for that. We'll have Dan Weber coming up later on in the show. He can answer some of your questions there. And Coach, how you doing over there in Catalina? Was it did you, have, you having a good time? And did you miss us in that week we had off? No, I did miss the week. <clears throat> it gets to be a regular pattern, you know, like practice. Yeah, you hate bye weeks. I hate bye weeks. When you're doing well and your season's going along, you really don't want to change the momentum or change the procedures for your players and yourself. So I call it a bye week. We had a bye week last week, so we're back into it this week and anxious to talk and uh, talk about Trojan football and also answer a lot of the questions that our listeners send in. We want to thank them all for doing that as we get closer and closer and closer uh, 
to another season. It all starts. Camp starts August the sixth. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So just not that far away, and uh, I think it's eighty something days till the actual you know, college football season begins. So there's, there's, I saw on Twitter today, coach. There's Vegas lines coming out. USC was favored in each and every single game, which I don't think is a a big shocker. But yeah, there's it's it's getting around here. When once fall camp starts, man, it just goes crazy. It is going to be crazy. It's going to be an exciting season. We can talk about that as we get closer uh, to the season, as far as games on the road and games at home and games to look out for. But uh, I think when you're ranked high, you're always going to be uh, a team that everyone wants to beat. It make You make their season if they can beat you. Some teams, if they can play you close, you've made their season. So we'll talk about that a little bit later when we get closer to the season and maybe run through the schedule one day and see what our thoughts are. Yeah, it sounds good, Coach. Well, let's uh, let's jump right in and – uh, this is a, a question from, oh, it's a voicemail question from our good friend, uh, Guy. Here you go. Hello, Ryan and Coach. How is Belize, Ryan? And Coach, uh, I think one of the least understood positions in, in, in football is the H, H-back position. Uh, as opposed to the tight end position, would you like to see a USC use uh, the H-back a lot uh, this year? And if so, who will play it? Who do you think good at it? And uh, did you use it at UNLV? Thank you in advance. Let me let me tell you. I think USC has the perfect personnel to use an H back. I really do. Uh, yeah, we did use it at UNLV. I used it at Pasadena City College. I've always used it because it causes a lot of mismatches and puts a couple of great tight ends, especially tight ends, in the game. Your H back that can really run and. It put, makes it really hard for the secondary. You stretch the secondary, secondary, plus you have a bigger receiver in the game. And not only is he a, more, uh, a bigger and a better blocker, he's a bigger receiver. And you can move him across the line of scrimmage and do a lot of different things. You can trap with him. You can lead with him. You can run more drag patterns with him. You can put two big receivers on the same side and take advantage of it. And I think SC has a tight end package with all their tight ends to really have a great H-back type of formation. I, I, w- I would, If you take a look at this and you put <laughs> Lee and Woods and then put the tight end group in there, no matter who you put in there, uh, Palme or, or uh, Thomas or, or you know any of these kids, I mean, it, 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 as a combination, it could be absolutely almost impossible to stop. It's, it's sort of what New England does, and, and I think their package has really proven to – cause a lot of problems in the NFL and you've got the best defensive coordinators and the best personnel in the country playing in the NFL. I think USC with the H back and, and uh, two tight end offense would be absolutely unbelievable. I really do. You run drags, you run posts, you run corners, you run all kinds of different combinations and you spread the field and, and then a running back a running back with Curtis McNeil, a one back offense uh, would be absolutely fantastic because he, he hides behind the offensive line. He's got he's made big plays. He's a good receiver. Uh, I just I I think that's a great suggestion. I hope to see that. Now in the spring they couldn't work on that package because all of the tight ends were injured and not all at one time, but they all seem to have some type of nagging injury. So they'll be back. And I'll tell you in the fall camp when we attend it. We'll report it. I know for sure 
you're going to see that type of package. But when you have great tight ends and that number of tight ends, plus Fitzpatrick coming in, you've got to utilize them against the secondary, but you cause so many mismatches. I think it's a great, great point that you brought up. All right. Thanks for that one, Guy. Uh, let's go to – we're going to go to Facebook. Um, so we got a question on Facebook from Kenny. He says, is USC still a top 25 team without – Matt Barkley. So essentially on December 22nd, coach, happened to be my birthday. If Matt Barkley decided he wasn't going to come back to USC and he went into the NFL draft, where would USC be ranked now? Would they still be a top 25 team? I would think they would be. If I looked at 25 teams in the country that I wouldn't want to play, wouldn't you have them listed in the top 25? I look at it that way. My number one team in the country is a team I never want to play. Number two all the way on down. And I would say uh, there's other teams in the country I would choose to play before I'd want to play USC with their quickness, their defense. Whittick and Kessler, you know, are good quarterbacks. And with Woods and Lee and the tight ends we just talked about and the replacement now, Walker, at the the left tackle spot, I think he's a tremendous athlete. Uh, You really don't have any weak positions. Now, you might have a little depth problem in a couple places. But, uh, yeah, if they're not a 25 ranked team in the country i want to know who would be and i there's other teams i'd rather play than usc i certainly believe they would be that i still feel they would be a great competitor to win the pac-12 championship the only problem you have to beat oregon twice to win the pac-12 championship and to go to the rose bowl even you got to beat stanford on the road you got to beat washington on the road and you got to beat oregon twice you got to beat them twice. People forget you have the championship game now in the Pac-12, and if SC wins the North or the, the South and Oregon wins the North, they got to play again, even if they've beaten them in the Coliseum. So, uh, you know, that's a pretty big task when you look at – and there isn't any uh, – Washington, you know, is a great football team, and who knows about these other teams you have to play. UCLA is better. Arizona State's going to be better. Arizona's going to be better. Cal's going to be better. So it's it's a tough conference, and it's going to be a tough challenge for the Trojans or anyone in the Pac-12. All right, and oh, uh, coach, I forgot. Guy asked how Belize was, and I'll give you a quick. It was awesome. It was a, one of the coolest trips I've ever been on in my life for sure. Got to do a lot of snorkeling and cave tubing and zip lining, and just kind of relax on a beach. We were on a little island, so we were just kind of secluded from everything else. So it was a nice way, you know, coach. You have to go to Avalon to recharge. It was a good way for me to get down there. And recharge. Even though I came back and I was pretty much exhausted, but still, it was a it was a good time to get away and uh, check it out. It was fun. Have you ever been down there to Belize, Coach? No, I haven't. I haven't. I'll tell you one thing with, that's great about a vacation. It's always great to come home. It is. I'll tell you, it's an, it's amazing. You open the door of the house and you say, "Oh gosh, it's good to be home." It, it that's it. But then all of a sudden, you go to your mailbox. Then all of a sudden, you go to your <laughs> uh, you go to your messages, and all of a sudden, you say. Why did I come home? Yeah. <laughs> or why did I go on the vacation? It's one or the other. Right. <laughs> totally agree. That's exactly what happened to me. Um, well, this is a follow-up. This is uh, another Facebook question. This is, from Chad. this is from Chad, and you mentioned that USC would still be a top 25 team. Without Matt Barkley, a big part of that would have to be how the USC defense is playing, and, and TJ McDonald decided to come back for his senior year. He wants to know, Chad wants to know, how good is this USC defense going to be? Well, I think it's going to be very good. I think uh, they're strong at every position. Uh, they have a little depth problem, maybe at the defensive tackles, but they've got a couple of tackles, I think, that can play. Uh, they have great linebackers and depth at linebackers. They're all returning. 
They've got two defensive ends who it's time that Horton and it's time that Kennard come out and prove themselves. This is their money year, so it's time for them to replace uh, the, the other great defensive ends that have been there, and it's time for them to make a, make a statement. I think that the linebackers will make a statement. Team speed on the defensive side of uh, the football is the main strength of USC. They're veterans. They can play. They've got great players coming in when you think of Bowman and Josh Shaw and all the other uh, backups, which are equally competitive, and there isn't a big drop-off. I think Roby could be possibly one of the best defensive backs in the country. I watched him in the spring, and he absolutely takes receivers out of the game. He's one of the most improved players that I have to say, and I want to say this, too, to everyone. When he first came in, I say, I said to myself, why would they recruit this little tiny defensive back? Because of the size of the offensive receivers today. This guy has completely proved me wrong. And I want to say it here on this show. This kid is a competitor. This kid, number 21, will line up and take you on. Doesn't make any difference. And he proved it to me when he went against Floyd at Notre Dame. He took Floyd completely out of the game. And from then on, he has showed me the type of kid he is. He's a competitor. And I think he's got, he, he sort of leads that defense along with the other veterans that are all back, which are all great players, and DJ and everyone else. So I, I think that uh, the defensive tackle situation, Uko's got to really come through. Tavai's got to really come through. And, uh, and a couple of these new players coming in, maybe they'll try uh, Williams inside or, or whatever. Woods could really come through. All they need to do is have a rotation in there of three or four that they can rotate, put a lot of pressure on them, and uh, run fast to the football. And they'll be fine. They'll be fine. But again, you're going against some of the top offenses too. So being fine uh, is what? Uh, being fine is what? Uh, you don't shut out people today. It's almost impossible. You used to be able to shut people out. Today you don't shut people out because of the home runs, the extra athlete on the field with the quarterback and the spread offense. And so it, it's uh, it's uh, playing defense today is turnovers, field position and running to the football, and I think SC has all of that. All right. And, uh, hey, Coach, this wasn't a, a question from fans, but I wanted to get your thoughts, too. One of the, the big pieces of news, besides the recruiting stuff going on, was the uh, decision of Jesse Scroggins to transfer out of the program. Maybe kind of get your thoughts, and I don't know if you've ever had quarterbacks like that transfer before, what you thought about how that all went down. Well, I don't know how it all went down, but uh, everyone can't play. And uh, you're going to always attract great players to USC. And I, and I think that that's part of what USC is all, all about. If you have an opportunity to play at one of the top programs in America, I think it's a great opportunity. And if you're a competitor, you want to play at a school like this. You don't want to go where you're automatically the starter. How do you get any better? But at USC, you go in against Maddox you, 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 or against Wittick. You, Kessler comes in. You're there. You redshirted a year, and obviously you're disappointed when you don't have a great spring or you're having problems academically or you're not getting your reps that you think you're supposed to get, and you're a competitor and you want to play. And sometimes it's good for the team, too, because you don't have an unhappy camper on your football team. The other players now have more reps. Manoogie's coming back. Manoogie will run the scout team, so that's fine, and he really does know the offense well. 
this puts Kessler and Wittick in a position to be the backup and one of them possibly to be the starter next year, depending on how Brown does in the spring, the new recruit coming in. So this gives a kid a chance, and the way I understand it, he's going to junior college. Where he's going, I have no idea. He'll graduate from the community college, play one year there, and be immediately eligible at another school. So I think it's good for the kid. The kid has a chance to go on and play, pick another university, and it's good for USC. First of all, it opens up the scholarship for them to stay within their numbers of 75. It uh, doesn't have an unhappy camper in your locker room or feeling he's not getting his chances, or I call them locker room lawyers. He leaves with a good feeling, and uh, these young other players have chances to get more reps. So I, I think it's good for both. I think it's good for both because it gives a kid a chance to go on. SC will release him, of course. He'll go to a junior college. He'll graduate from a junior college, and he'll probably be at another university in the spring. All right. Uh, well, let's get back to the questions. This is from Matt. On Facebook, he says, USC is finally bowl eligible this season. Do you think the Trojans have what it takes to win the national championship this year? Well, let me put it to you this way. You've got to be good, and you've got to be lucky to win a national championship. Uh, because uh, there's so many things that have to go right for you to win a national championship. I've had teams where I didn't feel they were that good, but they ended up being great. Because they played well together. Uh, when we played some teams, they had some key injuries to some of their best players. Uh, everything went right. We were lucky. We were good. Uh, but great teams make their luck. Remember that. Great teams make things happen. And uh, luck doesn't just come along. Great teams make that happen. So I think SC has the potential to win a national championship. But a lot of things have to happen for that to to, to to really happen. You first of all, you got to play every game one at a time. Every single team, as I mentioned earlier, wants you wants to beat you. Uh, they're open in Hawaii. You got Syracuse. When you go to Stanford, hey, Stanford's learned how to win. Nottingham's their quarterback up there. They had a great recruiting year last year. They got great players there. They got their whole front seven back on defense. They are a football program now. It's not going to be. I'm going to go in and we're going to win at Palo Alto this year. No, they expect to beat you now. In the past, they expected to play well against you and hope they were going to win. Right now, these type of teams like Stanford and Washington, who has somewhat had SC uh, in a pattern when they feel they can beat them and have beaten them, they're not intimidated, and they both have them at home. So it's going to be a difficult thing to go to Stanford because they know how to win. They want to win. They had one of the top teams in the country. They're not dropping off that much. Washington's going to be better. So going to Washington and going to Stanford are two key things. Two key. Then you got Oregon coming to the Coliseum, and Oregon's one of the top teams in the country with great team speed. And if you beat Oregon, then you got and you win the South, and you beat the other teams on your schedule. Then you got to play Oregon again. And if you beat Oregon, then, of course, you're hoping you're ranked higher, which you should be if you went undefeated. And then you'll get Oregon back at the Coliseum. But the way the Pac-12 rules work, the highest-ranked team will have the home uh, field advantage in a playoff game in the conference. So you'd have Oregon back, I think it's December 1, back in the Coliseum for the championship game. Now, if you win that, 
then you have the option of going to the Rose Bowl, uh, possibly, or if you go to the national championship game in the Orange Bowl, then Oregon would probably go to, and I'm just assuming these two teams are in it, Oregon. They would go to the Rose Bowl, which would be two great teams coming out of the Pac-12, one to the Rose Bowl and then another one to the national championship game. Can they win the national championship game or go to the national championship game? They definitely can, but they've got to be lucky. They've got to be good. They've got to be injury-free. They can't make stupid mistakes. They've got to make all their field goals. The Grady's got to have a great year punting. They've got a field position. They've got to tackle well. You got to do a lot of things to win a national championship. So yes, they can, but there's a lot of things that have to happen. Okay, good one there. Um, let's go to Kevin on Facebook, and he's like, "What's your take on the new McKay Center, which is uh, coming along rather nicely, uh, Coach? I I went there on Friday. You could see it just looks it's looks really close to being done right now." Um, What's your take on the new McKay Center, and do you think it will help USC compete with and what Kevin is calling the University of Nike and put Oregon in parentheses, top flight facilities? Well, I think it helps. It certainly does help. They've been able to recruit without having the McKay Center, so it certainly is going to assist them in recruiting better with the McKay Center because when you look at facilities and you look at uh, the different uh, pluses of a university, you look at the academic side, you look at the athletic side, you look at the facility side, you look at the academic assist programs, and you look at the family and then what you get after you leave USC as far as uh, not only athletically but academically. So it certainly isn't going to hurt USC. It's certainly going to make them now have a facility that ranks with a lot of or as many or maybe the best one in the country. That's what I've heard. I have not gone through it, but I understand it's absolutely fantastic. So it's a plus for USC when you have the locker rooms, the training rooms, the academic support systems, a 30-yard field down in the basement for them to practice on or do their different drills on when they need to do that if the weather's bad or whatever for other reasons. Or say they want to have a secret practice and they don't want to do it on the practice field with certain formations or plays or defensive alignments that they're using in a certain game and they don't want to take any chances, you do it down there. You walk through it, you go through it, you and, and you do it in a security type of feeling, which is also a motivating thing to players because they think it's something that's really going to work because nobody knows about it. So it works psychology-wise or emotionally-wise, and, and it helps you to be secure that nobody knows what you're coming out with with any surprises. So I think the McKay Center is always a plus. I think any time you add to your facilities – that it's something that improves to your entire athletic program. Because football just doesn't use this as far as recruiting. You don't think the track and field coaches, Coach Alice isn't going to take the kids through here, his recruits. Basketball is not going to take their recruits through there. Baseball is not going to take their recruits through there. Hey, when you have these type of facilities, you want everybody to see them. So it helps the entire athletic department when you upgrade in different areas. And they're also going to move now when they complete that, and they're going to redo Heritage Hall. They're going to do that and go back in and rehab that and make that another beautiful facility. Not that it isn't, but it's going to be a beautiful facility too. So they've got a lot of plans for the athletic department along with the new uh, sand volleyball facility over there by the Galen Center, which is going to be starting construction here shortly, which is going to be absolutely fantastic. So SC's on top of it, and you've got to do these things because competition and athletes look at everything. 
So I think it's going to be a real plus for the entire university. All right, we got a few more questions to get to. This one's from Twitter. Can you guys name the top redshirt freshmen uh, to watch for this year for USC? Top freshman? Top redshirt freshman. Top redshirt freshman, okay. Well, in the spring, I, I two really sort of stuck out uh, that I can think of now because I really haven't had a chance to think about it. Right here. But uh, Antoine Woods, I thought, had an outstanding spring. Uh, he lost a lot of weight. I think he lost about 30 pounds. He played hard. Uh, he was in on a lot of plays. He held his ground. And I think he's a, that, that's exactly a position they need him at, too. So I think Woods would be a uh, redshirt freshman that I'd look for him to play a lot, and I think he'll play a lot. He'll probably be the third rotating defensive tackle in there at the opening of camp. I really believe that. So I'd say that redshirt uh, uh, one would be Antoine Woods. The other would be Anthony Serraro. Serraro? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, we've interviewed him. It's funny. and He says Serraro. Serraro, okay. I I think he had a great spring. I watched him. He ran all over the field. Uh, He's quick. He's faster than I thought he was. He's a tough kid. Uh, I like him. So I would say, you know, I don't have the roster in front of me, but if you think about the spring and two players that redshirted last year that that stuck out to me, I'd say it'd be those two. That's, uh, I think those two will contribute. How about that? I think those two will play a lot. All right, that makes sense. Um, let's go with Luke. This is another Facebook one. He wants to know how you think the uh, USC defensive line is looking. And, Coach, I was down there for one of the offseason workouts, and they're kind of uh, practicing on the far end of the field. Um, so it's not really something we got to see too much of, and you know, obviously you haven't seen them out there yet. But how do you do? How do you think this defensive line is going to be shaping up when we head into fall camp, and then obviously into the season? Well, you know, one thing about the defensive line, Coach Orgeron has been playing at a different level. What I mean, they're all good athletes, so they wouldn't be at USC. But if you if you run four eight, he's got you running four seven. If you're six two, he's got you playing at six four. There's one thing he does is he motivates you, and he will not settle for anything but 100% effort. If you jump off sides, you don't want to look to the sideline, but you know somebody's going to run out there and headbutt you. So he has you playing at a different level, and he brings the pride of the past defensive lineman to the current defensive lineman and tells them who you are and what is expected of you, and will not tolerate anything but the best. So with that type of attitude, he's been able to coach the defensive line at a different level, and the defensive line knows what to expect when they play for Coach Orgeron. That is why he attracts a lot of defense tackles that are six one, six foot, because he has gotten three or four of them in the NFL Darrell Casey and all these others, Cody Patterson, they're all playing, starting in the NFL. So he sets a tempo where a lot of other schools say, oh, you're too short to play, not when you play for Coach Ed Ordron. He puts another level of competitiveness, and you play scared, which means you play 100%. You can't slack off when you play for him. Will they have the best talent? Maybe they don't. 
Can they develop into a great defensive line? Yes, they can. Because they've got to play as a unit and they've got to get to the football. You can't have anybody playing on the defensive line that looks for the lookout block. That's when you're pursuing and you look back to see if somebody's going to take a shot at you. And his guys do not look for the lookout block. So you either play at the certain temple for him or you don't play at all at USC. So I'm looking for him to get those kids ready to play. I think Uko's going to be a number one draft choice someday. I think Tobias will get better every day. I think Antoine Woods will get in there. And there'll be someone else who surfaces too that uh, will become a, a not a starter maybe, but become a guy that uh, gets turns this year. Okay, and then we got one last one, Coach. Uh, let's go. It's on Twitter, and he wants to know who do you think is going to have a better year, Hayes Pollard or Dion Bailey? And those guys actually tied for the team lead in tackles uh, last year, so I guess that would be a tough call. But who do you think is going to have a better year, Pollard or Bailey? That's a tough question because they're both great players. I think the one they'll have. How do you how do you say who's what a great year is? Yeah, I, I don't mean, know about number of tackles or. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't judge it by the number of tackles because a lot of times teams run away from certain players. They don't want to deal with them. So uh, when you're a great player, they, they pick someone else to run at or run away from a great player. But I think there are two guys there that you can't run away from. And I think the middle is really secure, too, with Dawson in the middle. So I really don't know who's going to have a great year. I think they'll both have a great year. Barring injuries, which you hope never happens to a player. I think they've got the experience now that they play well together. They they cover for each other. They pursue hard. They're understanding the defense. Uh, they'll do nothing but get better. Experience is something that is. When you have great talent, and then all of a sudden you get experience with that great talent, you turn into what you call a great player. You've got to have a combination of both. And how many freshmen get the turns that these two guys got? I mean, as far as uh, the number of turns that they played. Unbelievable. So they'll both be great. Who will have the better year? Who knows? I hope, I hope they have co-great years <laughs> because you've got to have your linebacker play. So I can't say who's going to have the better year. I think they'll both have great years barring any type of injuries. They certainly had a co-great year last year, a tie-in for the you know, leading tackles, but also making a lot of big plays and really helping out this USC defense. Well, thanks again, Coach, for uh, coming on the show and answering everyone's questions. I hope you enjoy the rest of your time over there at uh, Catalina, beautiful Catalina Island, and we'll talk to you again next week. Again, thank you, Ryan, and again, thank you all of you out there that send the questions in. You are the ones that make the show, and uh, enjoy your summer and get ready for USC Trojan football. The football season is not that far away, and I'll tell you, it's the most exciting part of the year. So let's get ready. Certainly is. Okay, thanks again, Coach, and everyone else. We'll be back in 30 seconds. We'll have uscfootball.com. Beat writer Dan Weber joining the show. Stay tuned for that. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. 
now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We are back at the Peristyle Podcast after a week hiatus for my trip over there to Belize for my anniversary. So we apologize for missing last week. Last time I missed a show, like I said, was uh, my wedding a year ago. So we're back and we have a very special guest, Dan Weber, coming back to join us. Dan, how you doing? Very good. Very good. Back to football. This is good. Yeah, we're back to football. We got a lot of stuff we wanted to cover, but I guess maybe some of the biggest news that, that broke and it, it wasn't really huge news, I guess, but uh, I mean, I think a lot of people saw this coming, uh, was Jesse Scroggins transferring out. We did have a question on that. I'm going to play that for you uh, right now. Hi, Ryan. Hope you enjoyed your vacation to Belize. Question is for Dan Weber. With Jesse Scroggins transferring, he also missed time last season with a hand injury. If he goes to junior college and then comes back to an FBS school, Will he be able to apply for a hardship waiver as he missed time with a hand injury and give him three more years of experience and time before moving on to the NFL? Thanks. I don't think so. I think the uh, to get that extra year, which means a, a second red shirt year over and above uh, uh, a red shirt year already taking, taken, which Jesse has, it has to be an injury that lingers over from one year to the next or, or the after effects of a particular injury or something like that. Uh, but it can't be a separate uh, situation. So uh, basically they give you the option of taking your red shirt year as, uh, as Jesse did, where you just say, okay, my first year, not ready, uh, like most players, and I'll take the red shirt year. The downside of that is if you get injured, uh, the clock is running. So then once you take your redshirt year, you have four years of eligibility left. So you've got five years uh, to play four. And um, so my understanding is that that would not be the case, that he would, uh, he would have two more years of right. eligibility wherever, uh, wherever he goes, uh, you know, if he goes to junior college and then comes back he would be uh, a redshirt junior. All right. Well, thanks for that one, Dan. Yeah, any, and maybe get your comments on that. Uh, about We haven't got to talk about it, about Scroggins transferring out. Yeah, I think it was a logical thing. It was, I mean, uh, it was unfortunate that uh, all the things that happened last year, I mean, I don't think he uh, anticipated, you know, his hand, uh, you know, throwing the ball comes down on a helmet and, boom, you know, you're pretty much out for a couple of months when, uh, you know, the two guys you're competing with are there every day. And, uh, you know, it's hard to get two, uh, two backup quarterbacks enough snaps, but, uh, uh, to, to get three is, is really difficult. Don't know what would have happened if all three of them would have been there, how they would have, how they would have figured out because they needed to have who goes in if Matt goes down. They came up with, uh, the Cody, Kessler was the most uh, comfortable in terms of the playbook and the huddle and, and that kind of thing. But uh, they didn't really want to separate them any other way. Uh, how they would have handled three, I don't know. And then he gets the step, you know, steps. Well, I'm still not sure if that was a sprinkler head or exactly what it was. And at first we thought he, he hurt his uh, foot or his ankle. I remember he limped off. This is in the spring. And then turns out 
he'd done something um, in the way he stepped and it ended up hurting his hip. Uh, but he also then, I think, you know, got a little bit discouraged in the first semester academically, kind of got behind, you know, not the kind of kid that probably should have had a lot of academic issues, which he proved, I guess, second semester uh, in doing well. And now, you know, can uh, he can transfer without any problems and, you know, also doesn't hurt USC in terms of the uh, – APR, uh, you know, issue for the uh, for the NCA and that, which is good for everybody. But uh, uh, one, you know, there, there probably is almost no way you can have three guys in the same class uh, at you know kind of a comparable level uh, and have it work out. Uh, one of them almost has to, you know, almost has to leave. Uh, it's just uh, you know because if you've got you know, the Heisman Trophy uh, leading candidate as the quarterback and three others, you're talking uh, basically uh, somebody's fourth team. And uh, pretty much when you look at Scroggins and Wittick and and uh, Kessler, none of those guys probably should be fourth team on anybody's team in college football. And, uh, and at that point, the only logical thing uh, is for one of them to make a move and go somewhere else. So, you know, I hope it works out well for Jesse, and uh, and uh, and we'll, you know we'll be rooting for him, and uh, you know, good luck to him, and and it'll be interesting to see if he does go the junior college route this year, and then gives himself a you know, sort of the Cam Newton uh, uh, approach after he left Florida, would seem to make a lot of sense. All right, yeah, it worked out for Cam, obviously. Um... Well, so we had a question from Matt Thompson, and I guess we kind of talk about this subject a little bit. Uh, he wanted to know, are you able to post videos of the throwing sessions? I remember watching these in the past and really enjoyed them. Good chance to watch one-on-ones and how the new guys look. And Matt, just to let you know, and I wanted Dan to comment on what we have saw one week into USC summer workouts. So we'll, we'll talk about what's been going on. They've thrown a couple of times, and I was out there for the second one. We, we're still waiting official word from USC on this. What we're not going to be able to do is post full highlight videos, and it looks like photo galleries like we have done in the past. I mean, that's coming down from the conference. They don't want uh, – the Pac-12 doesn't want a way for the coaching staff to essentially take attendance during these volunteer workouts. But I think there's going to be – we might be able to show you a little bit of stuff. We haven't heard, at least that's what the conference was telling us, my, my contacts at Yahoo. We had them connect directly, but we haven't heard an official word from USC at this point. So, uh, But just, yeah, look on the site. We'll have some stuff. If you saw Dan's story on the walk-ons, we put some pictures up of the new guys from the workout. So that's stuff we hadn't done last summer and in the winter when they the ruling came down that we weren't allowed to, to do that anymore. But So we should have... A little bit of wiggle room, but not exactly the way it, it, it used to be, at least for right now. And, and Dan, maybe you wanted to get your comments on what you saw like the yeah, first two I, weeks. I guess it, it's a, almost an extension of as we were we toured the uh, uh, McKay Center, and we were kidding because Lane, you know, Kiffin's office is at the end on the top floor overlooking Howard Jones Field. And I kind of was kidding about, well, uh, you know, when the coaches aren't allowed to observe practice and their kids are out there working out, you know, what what happens to be sure? They said, oh, they've got a, a security system with uh, uh, curtains that, you know, you can't see through that are automatically drawn, and then they have a way of documenting on a time, uh, some sort of a time-secure system 
which can document that the curtains were absolutely shut and there was absolutely no way that Lane could be watching anybody work out when the players are on the field. Uh, I, I was ha- only half kidding, and it turns out, no, they absolutely uh, are, are going to have to do that. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's, you know, people could say by extension, if we really do uh, extensive, uh, say, video, it allows the coaches to monitor practice. And so, uh, you know, I'm sure they probably are an awful lot of the 120, whatever, four now uh, Division One programs. Uh, I'm sure they don't all have uh, curtains and security systems on the coaches' windows, to be honest. But USC is USC, and that's how they've got to do it, and that's how they're going to do it. Uh, I will say this, and we're not uh, – and they've gone back and forth on this uh, – Two years ago, I guess we were allowed to be there when the uh, strength and conditioning coaches were working with them, uh, and now we're not. This year, uh, they've changed the rule and they've extended the, the ruling from last year that, uh, no, if the coaches are there, then you have to stay out, and then we can go watch uh, when they uh, do the voluntary stuff afterwards. But uh, one observation is they're working them harder than we've ever seen them work them, and that's what the kids are saying, too. I mean, they went on and on, and there was a lot of extended running. I mean, again, we're not inside, but from being outside, uh, uh, they certainly look like they're working them very, very hard. And uh, I thought uh, guys certainly look like they're in the best shape that we've seen uh, seen them in. And uh, uh, I think that's one of the ways that you counter, uh, you know, 75 scholarships. The second way we tried to document a little bit too is you get more good walk-ons, which isn't a, which isn't easy when you're a, a private school, but uh, in an academically uh, you know more academically elite private school. But uh, USC looks like they're uh, they're working at that one as well. So, uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, the, the the evolution of of the rulings on on what can you photo and what you can't and one of the things I think is Ryan is is you're uh, you're kind of always on the on the cutting edge of these rulings because I think we're probably doing things here first and doing them before <laughs> somebody else is and you know we're there and and we're the ones that uh, maybe even cause them I think at times to have to come up with rulings on what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. You don't always see uh, everybody else doing this. Uh, so, uh, you know, it isn't probably illogical to think that it seems like they're always having to come up with rulings that affect us. I think that's probably true. Yeah, it is. And, I, and just to clarify what Dan was saying on the strength and conditioning workouts, we used to go attend those as well. When uh, Chris Carlisle was there, he always would allow us to take photos, uh, but he wasn't really big on the videos. We would just usually just take photos per his request. And it does seem like, Dan, at least from what I'm told, the, the ruling on us filming the off-season throwing sessions is like a conference thing. But, so that theoretically won't change. Um, but the ruling on being at the strength coaches thing is I think it's a probation thing. So when USC comes off probation, theoretically, we'd be able to attend those again. I wish we were as clear as we could be because I remember last year, first time we were told you couldn't do that, do this, uh, the, the throwing session stuff, and it was a conference rule. I think like the next day 
there was this extensive photo layout of the Oregon off-season workouts. And, and we were just like, uh, hello, anybody there? I mean, so, and, and, and we never did get an absolute, completely clear answer as to, uh, you know, what, was it a conference? Was it, you know, initiated by USC through the conference? Was it initiated by the conference through at USC? How exactly did it happen? We don't know, I don't think. And I'm not sure we've gotten a clear enough answer to be able to tell anybody this is exactly how it happened or even exactly why it happened. Or, um, you know, no one writes you a letter and says, this is the rule number such and such, and this is the interpretation, and this is the person that interpreted that. Like, that's not happening. No, it's not. There's not. It's hard to get a clarification. I'm surprised we even got a word back from the conference, but I'm glad we did, and hopefully that'll you know improve our coverage and we get uh, get some better stuff for everyone out there. Uh, let's go to uh, social media. On uh, let's. I think this is on. This was a tweet. Uh, a tweet we got from DP Paul. Oh no, I'm sorry. This is from Facebook. This is from Paul on Facebook. Uh, he wants to know the health status of uh, Robert Woods. We've got to see him out there during these off-season workouts. Dan, what's the latest on Robert Woods? Well, he said he's absolutely pain-free, which always is a plus. He wasn't pain-free pretty much the entire year last year or uh, or in the spring, actually. So uh, that's a plus. I, mean, I saw something on ESPN the other day. Uh, Andre Ware worried about, well, he's not been cleared yet. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. And I think that's the point was uh, uh, when when they left when he left spring – the idea was stay off of it until July. So he's actually back earlier, and he's been running uh, and more extensively than, than last summer, uh, individual workouts with, with uh, Matt Barkley. So uh, he, uh, he hasn't been cleared to, uh, to go you know, with the team yet, said he needed one more MRI, and – I hope they are conservative with him. I mean, he doesn't need to prove anything. And uh, and he basically finally got him to exactly what really happened. He said it was just a, just a, 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 you know, an ankle sprain that because of the way he was running on it and the way his, you know, feet are now they're, they're getting different orthotics and, and they're really trying to refine them so that, he doesn't, you know, put any extra pressure on the inside of that one ankle. But he said basically he just built up some scar tissue there, and the scar tissue was was painful, and that's what had to be cleared out. But he said it wasn't anything like some exotic, you know, tendon injury or anything like that. And he said it basically just some uh, scar tissue that built up after uh, after an ankle sprain that he did in uh, in playing basketball. But uh, uh, I think the, the thing that's fun to watch is, I mean, he. He's bigger now. He's like six one and a half, and um, you know one ninety six to one ninety eight, uh, and you know that's six or eight pounds bigger than last year. He still looks lean as can be, uh, but he does look a little taller, and just the way uh, George Farmer does as well. Uh, kind of interesting. You forget these guys are still pretty young guys, and uh, uh, George Farmer at over six two is fairly imposing looking athlete uh 
the thought of and throw Mark Easley in there uh, with his uh, physical development, you know, through uh, the long jumping and that in the spring. Uh, uh, if guys are all healthy and ready to go, it's just almost impossible to imagine they all played at the same high school. It's just, uh, you know, one of those things. If you want to know the kind of things, I think originally when I got here, it hit me that USC winning three uh, Heisman trophies in four years was the original thing that puts the SEC people over the cliff. And then the next thing is the fact that USC could get three athletes like that from one high school where they could take a bus to campus uh, is the next thing that pushes the SEC over the cliff because it's just to some of these places in this country, it doesn't seem fair that those kinds of kids are sitting out there uh, who could literally take a city bus to USC's campus <laughs> and that three of them would all be on this, you know, from the same high school. It just seems like that can't possibly be true. How can that happen? You know, it's just not fair. You know, we haven't, you know, you could hear some of these guys saying, we haven't had three, you know, receivers that good in the state of, say, Tennessee for the last 30 years. <laughs> and USC gets two out of two years of classes at Sarah High School. And, and look, you know, it just, and they're probably right. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's move on, Dan. Yeah, and it's, it's, it is hard to imagine those three guys are coming out of the same high school within two years of each other. Um, but let's see. Frank wanted to know, can you provide us with an update on our new freshman who's already reported to campus? And uh, USC had a lot of injuries, surgeries, and medical issues in the spring. How about an update on some of those players? So some injury updates and, and some new faces that we've seen during the first uh, week of summer workouts. Well, actually, uh, the only two that are here are uh, uh, tight end Jalen Fitzpatrick, uh, who we're getting good reports on, although he wasn't, he wasn't able to be there Friday. Uh, I guess, you know, 6'5", 250-plus. Uh, uh, I guess Randall Telfer is, is sort of his big brother, uh, you know, the tight end, and he's very impressed with, uh, with him physically and with, uh, with his willingness to work and work hard. And, um, you know, some of the people were saying he doesn't look like a freshman. Uh, and I think the, uh, the other uh, kid there is Max Turk, and uh, he just seems like he's already, you know, fitting in. And uh, they had him at left guard the other day. Um, one of the early reports we're getting is that, uh, that he's just killing it in the weight room. It's kind of interesting because he, he doesn't look like a workout warrior. He's kind of got this, you know, he's kind of a youngish-looking kid, you know, kind of a baby-faced uh, you know, kid that could easily still be in high school, uh, very competitive, very athletic, looks like he can, you know, adjust to probably any position on the offensive line. Uh, but uh, but uh, the first report we got from some of the uh, other players was that they were uh, surprised at just how, how much of a uh, weight room warrior he was, that he was just, uh, you know, one of the guys called him a beast in the, in the weight room, which is always a good report to hear from a freshman, because that's a that's a pretty big adjustment to uh, to uh, you know, and, and with USC pushing them as hard as as they are uh, in terms of conditioning and weightlifting, uh, that's a pretty good report. But so far, those are the two uh, that are here, and the rest of them are going to start uh, filtering in. I think uh, you know over the next week or so. 
And then uh, injury-wise, if anyone interesting stick out to you? Let's see. I'm trying to think if there's anybody. Uh, DJ Morgan maintains that, you know, burst that we hadn't seen until this spring. And I think uh, running the uh, the hurdles and, 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 you know, getting that one great time that he had in the 110 hurdles. And I guess he had about three three things uh, we saw uh Friday where, uh, you know, one deep pass and a couple of uh, uh, runs up the middle where he's got a burst that, you know, even with as athletic as, as the USC secondary kids are, uh, he's got a burst that uh, that I think will shock people. He did it, you know, the one time in the spring game. But to me, he's the, he's the kid I think that, you know, matters the most, uh, uh, you know, after Robert, you know, after Robert. Uh, Robert was there. Uh, uh, he's sort of uh, now he's the uh, player coach uh, uh, until he's cleared. So he kind of runs the offensive side uh, in the players-only throwing sessions. But um, I'm trying to think if there's – oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, let's see. Hayward looked, looked much more active. He could never have surgery, but we – and we didn't get a chance to talk to him. We've got to find out about his back because his back kind of really limited him. Uh, as a freshman, and uh, he looks like he's he's certainly in there uh, mixing it up. Uh, uh, um, I guess Abe uh, Markowitz seems to be an absolutely 100% um, after the you know fractured one foot, then the next, and I think they've got him worked out in terms of the uh, right kind of shoes and orthotics and and support system. I think they're doing a better job. I've been a kind of a you know. A, on the warpath about making sure they get the shoes that, you know, fit, you know, the player's feet in terms of all the support things that they need and not necessarily if you're some 300-pound lineman, do you need a Nike Speed uh, uh, shoe uh, that's kind of narrow and, and what have you. So uh, I think they're they're working at, working at that more. Um, i trying to think who else would be. How about Javaris Allen maybe? or Who was that? Like Buck Allen. Oh, I mean, Buck just looked, you know, I mean, I think his was just a matter of time. He was almost back. I think he, what he said, it was by the end of spring, he was 80%, and he looked fine. He told me 100% uh, and looked loose and uh, free. Looked, he, every time you see him, he looks a little taller and a little leaner, uh, but he looked good, uh, I thought, physically, uh, and said he's feeling, uh, you know, feeling, uh, feeling fine. So, um, uh, other than that. You know, I mean, like the tight ends, you had nagging stuff that kept one out or kept the other out or with Junior Pome or they all look, you know, the whole group of tight ends is back except for the one who isn't back yet is Christian Thomas. And they think that he's going to, again, like uh, maybe the advice for Robert is not push it too hard and wait until uh, August for him, I think. I think uh, because, you know, I think they've been figuring ways to rehab those hips uh, quicker than they used to. I mean, it used to be at least a full year uh, for those guys when they had that surgery. And I think maybe, uh, you know, some of them have come back slightly quicker, and I think we we assume that they're all going to be able to come back, you know, in six months or eight months, and that's just not the case. So so I think, Christian, uh, they're going to – play it, uh, you know, and it's not even conservative because he got the uh, surgery probably in October. So, uh, you know, you're still, uh, you know, uh, only, uh, it's only 10 months. So 
if he doesn't do anything until August. But uh, but I think Christian, I guess, would be the the other one. Junior Palmet looks, you know, he looks fine. Um, I think pretty much uh, at Torrey Harris, they he's got that nerve in, injury in his shoulder, and he was out there. And I know even last year, by the end of the year, it was a kind of a day-to-day thing where, where it's the kind of thing that they can't necessarily force to regenerate. It's just they, they sort of test him every every day, and uh, and see if it's responding. They seem much more optimistic now that that it has responded, and that he'll be he'll uh, he'll be able to go uh, you know full go uh, in the fall. But uh, uh, he would be. He would be the other one, I think. You know, Drew McAllister, his hips, he got, you know, he had both of those um, done for that hip cartilage. He certainly seems to be moving well. Um, but, yeah. think, uh, Josh Shaw was out there and looked uh, like, you know, he's not bothered by uh, by that broken rib at all. All right. Well, if you think of anyone else, we can add him on the end there. But we'll, yeah, we'll I think move. that's probably. Yeah. We didn't get to see uh, the lineman workout down at the uh, the other end of the field and without pads, you really don't, you know, you really can't tell. I guess um, uh, the Temple kid uh, who uh, missed spring ball. Uh, Cody Temple, won, yeah. I think. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, he, um, he looked like he was okay. I mean, he looked fine, but, again, you know, you really can't. You can't tell as much with, with the linemen um, uh, when they're, you know, working out and, you know, they're doing a lot of, uh, you know, stances and starts and and uh, a lot of stuff with her hands and that but uh, but you you can't tell all the way but he would be one you know that we'll, we'll probably pay more attention to uh, as we go along all right uh, we've got a couple more to get to this is a twitter one from jay brax 1122 he says can you give your two deep predictions for the secondary and for the backup wide receiver spots well, I mean, backup wide receiver, you know, I think you just say, uh, you know, George Farmer and, um, and, and Devon Flournoy and, uh, you know, revolve those two, uh, any, any combination, you know, you want. Uh, and I think that's how they're going to do it, too. I think they're going to have, uh, you know, different guys in different places and different situations. And, uh, uh, but I think you're going to see both of them, uh, without a doubt. Uh, and, uh, what they do with Nelson Aguilar is going to be the interesting question as to what kind of things they try to get him into um, his first year, where they try to get him the ball and line him up. Uh, and so I would put him an asterisk uh, there. Um, and then uh, the secondary, obviously, you've got three starting cornerbacks at, at one spot. So, I mean, you basically you have, uh, you know, the two safeties and um, – in uh, Juwanza Starling and T.J. McDonald, and you have Nikel Roby on the one side, and then you've got uh, you know three guys, uh, uh, Torin Harris and Anthony Brown and uh, Isaiah Wiley all started at that uh, other cornerback opposite Nikel. Then you've got uh, you know safeties. You've got uh, you've got the new guys. Josh Shaw can play both places. Gerald Bowman coming in from Pierce Junior College. Um, you know, one of the top prospects in you know junior college in the country. Uh, you've got uh, uh, bum, bum, bum. let's see. Drew McAllister is certainly looks healthy. You've got Demetrius Wright, looks 
every time you see him, you just think, gosh, this kid can play. You know, big and strong and tough. Um, how that's going to, you know, break the, you know, how that's going to shake out in terms of, uh, I know Lane really wants to be able to play too deep in the secondary. Now, whether, you know, that means even having T.J. McDonald or uh, Nickel not in there all the time, I don't know. But he really, really, really wants to be able to play too deep in the, in the secondary. It looks like they've got the numbers. It looks like they've got the experience. I mean, uh, Brian Balcom has had a, had a really good spring. Um, give him another athlete, uh, a veteran. Um, hasn't had a chance to really show what he could do. But uh, it would seem that they can, they can play too deep easily if, uh, if Shaw and Bowman are both up to speed quickly. Uh, so, but I'm not going to pick that second the way to say, you know, if Lane doesn't know how that's going to work, you know, break down, I'm not going to try to, you know, jump in there and, and uh, assert myself. I think they, they would have liked to have seen Shaw in the spring and um, his rib injury didn't allow him to do that. So, uh, so they're just waiting to see, uh, you know, what those guys show him. All right. Uh, then one last one, Dan, this is from Mason. He said, He's worried. How worried should USC fans be about the possibility of losing Coach O within the next few years? He's been doing an unbelievable job recruiting and coaching, and it seems like another big-time program would try and offer him a head coaching or defensive coordinator job. Is he happy at USC, or should we be expecting a Coach O departure within the next few years? Love the show and keep up the great work. That's from Mason. You know what? I was thinking now. Uh probably the high watermark for anybody who's a USC fan had to be that Oklahoma game uh, in the uh, Orange Bowl. And I think, you know, we all knew that was, uh, you know, the goodbye night for Coach O. And uh, there wasn't any doubt that he was on his way. And uh, if you have to trade one for the other, I guess that's what you do. And, And I wouldn't look at it. I mean, I would like to see the best for Coach O and the best of USC, and I think he deserves another shot. I mean, he put together at Ole Miss. He had a, some real, you know, issues and getting a staff together, and that's not the easiest place to, to put things together, but he did, a, you know, a marvelous job recruiting, got really screwed. His team he puts together, that he has a really good year. Of course, Houston Nutt comes in and, you know, grabs the team, and, uh, you know, there's the people at Ole Miss that made that call, really deserve all the bad things that have happened to him since then. And uh, because that was, uh, that was crummy, not allowing, you know, Coach O to benefit from all the, you know, his first three years of recruiting and putting that team together. My take is, uh, depending on how this year goes, you know, you're going to have to look at, you know, T. Martin. You're going to have to look at Coach O and say, um, you know, people would be crazy not to be taking a, a look at, I mean, a, a program that I'm really familiar with at Kentucky. I mean, how could you not look at either one of those two guys, you know, at a program where, you know, the lifeblood is going to be recruiting and where they're, where they're near lots of good players but don't have any maybe enough in their, in their own state. The difference at, at a Kentucky or a Tennessee is having the right guy who can, you know, reach out to, uh, you know, Ohio and Indiana and, and – uh, Pennsylvania, places like that, and, and really, you know, take 
you know, the kids that can give you a good program. And a guy like, a, you know, T. Martin uh, certainly seems to have all the qualities that anybody would ever need to be able to do that, and as Coach O has. And uh, uh, so I wouldn't say worried, but, uh, you know, let's hope what happens happens in a way that people can't not come after them for what, you know, they've done at USC. And that's how, that's how I'm going to choose to look at it. All right, Dan. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show as always, and uh, thanks everyone for being patient in our week off last week and sending in all the questions on Twitter and Facebook and our email address. Don't forget to email us, podcast at uscfootball.com if you want to send any questions in for next week's show. And, Dan, thanks again for joining us. It's always fun. Thanks, Brian. Glad you're back. All right. Everyone else, thank you very much. Yeah, everyone else, thank you for tuning into the Peristyle Podcast, and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 